Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. Did you ever thought that yours truly, Steve Dale? So I do talk to lots of celebrity types, especially in my afternoon show that I do that isn't about pets on Sundays, typically between 1 and 3 in the afternoon. Uh, but I did you ever think I would be talking to Rob Gronkowski? I'm talking about the former National League football player who will no doubt be in the Hall of Fame. He was at a veterinary conference. What? He's crazy about his French bulldog, apparently, and also passionate about some medical issues having to do with our pets, including valley fever, which if you've never heard of, he talks about. We recorded the interview at a veterinary conference. So there we were, and he is sitting down, and I am standing up, but you would never know because he's so tall. Even sitting down, he towers way over me. Now, I do admit I'm somewhat uh, vertically impaired. Still, he is like 7 feet 18 or something. I mean, he's he's like basketball height tall, I thought. I mean, I never... I never knew that he was quite that tall. So I, I'm, I walk up to him to shake his hand, and I'm coming up to his knee. But he was very, very nice. And as I say, you will hear this conversation in a little bit. More importantly, arguably, veterinary dentistry. He is the superstar in veterinary medicine when it comes to dentistry. Dr. Jan Bellows will be here to talk about some cutting-edge science and surprise all of us by saying, are you ready? You don't necessarily need to brush your pet's teeth. Pet birds, lots of problems potentially as far as toxins that we live with every day, but you might not be aware these products are toxic to birds. We'll speak with a veterinary toxicologist about that. Jackie Achicola is the executive director of the Every Cat Health Foundation. I'll tell you, if it wasn't for this foundation... Maybe someone else would have funded the research. I don't know. How do you know? But boy, oh boy, nearly everything, and I mean everything, we know about cats over the past 50-some-odd years has been funded by this organization. This is true. Every Cat Health Foundation is 55 years old. We are an international organization because we help cats everywhere, every day, all throughout the world. Tens of millions of cats benefit from the research that we facilitate and fund. Yeah, so simply put, if your cat gets a vaccine, if your cat is fed cat food, if your cat is treated for anything from cardiac disease to kidney disease and everything in between, the funding for the information and understanding of any of that that veterinarians have received is from this organization. Absolutely. For years and years, we've been solely focused on what goes into keeping your cats healthy and happy. So let's give a couple of examples of this. The most profound, I think, is years ago, cats were either succumbing to or going blind as a result of dilated cardiomyopathy. And it's kind of a heart problem. And it was sweeping the country. And veterinarians and veterinary cardiologists at that time were saying, oh, there's got to be a magic pill. They were looking for a medication of some sort. And Dr. Paul Pion, who was then a student in veterinary cardiology at the University of California, Davis, said, well, I think it's in the food or something actually that's not in the food that should be not enough of an amino acid called taurine. 
And he was laughed at, essentially, by his colleagues as he now tells the story. Well, it turned out the Every Cat Health Foundation at that time, scientific advisory group, said, yes, we're going to go ahead and fund your research. turned out he was absolutely right. And the result of that is every pet food, cat food, on the planet has changed, and now there is enough, uh, enough of this amino acid called taurine in cat food as a result of that. So important, and, and so important for us to fund that type of research and take those leaps and, and work with the scientists and the researchers to discover these things. Yeah, I mean, cats were dying at early ages, and no one knew why. Exactly. So many cats were getting this kind of serious heart disease. A more recent example, I'll let you tell this story, is feline infectious peritonitis, or FIP. So FIP is a a disease that had always been considered fatal. And that's bad, right? Absolutely. Yeah, but worse, worse affects greatly kittens. And from the veterinary perspective... Imagine telling a cat parent, this little kitty you got, often because your other cat has passed away, so they're still mourning, has got this disease that is fatal that maybe they haven't even heard of. I mean, that's awful. And the disease wasn't even understood for decades and decades and decades. And it turns out to be the result of a coronavirus, which is a term we're now pretty familiar with. So coronaviruses in cats pretty benign, generally. But every once in a while, all too frequently, inside the cat, there's a change, a mutation that occurs. Nobody still knows exactly why. But it transforms into from this benign coronavirus into feline infectious peritonitis. And for years, the Every Cat Health Foundation has been funding research. Absolutely, a huge focus of ours and working with um, a variety of researchers and also working to educate um, not only pet parents but feline practitioners along the way, to, to, which has helped led to an understanding that these cats can be treated. Oh, yes. So that's the good news. You said what can be treated? <laughs> this so, is true. <laughs> yeah. So the Every Cat Health Foundation, Dr. Niels Peterson, Well, many researchers around the world have looked at FIP. He is, and nobody doubts that, the leading researcher. He's devoted his career to this greatly. Decades of his career to first understanding what is called the pathogenesis of this disease, but then, okay, what can we do about it now that we understand it? And all these things were tried. I think chicken soup even. Everything. (laughs) Everything was tried. Well, he said, here's an antiviral that I think will work. And this is an amazing story. A drug called remdesivir, and at that time no one knew what this drug was except it was a human drug that wasn't working well at all to treat Ebola, which is why the drug was created. And it turned out these kittens were cured. He was even surprised with very few adverse responses to FIP. That's incredible. And when this announcement was first made at a symposium that the Every Cat Health Foundation hosted, and I was lucky enough to make that announcement, I am telling you, Jackie, veterinarians in this room, especially those who researched FIP, tears were running down their eyes. 
Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it, again, it, it takes a, a whole world to explore these leaps of faith, basically, to, to show that they do work and we can save lives. Yeah. And now there is a drug that's waiting for approval. There are drugs available on the Internet. And all of those drugs, the drug waiting for approval is what we're really waiting for. But in the meantime, we have these other drugs that seem to work for FIP. And if it wasn't for the Every Cat Health Foundation, that wouldn't be the case. Such, you know, such a, a great story and a great example of the work that we facilitate. But the story's better because remdesivir is now used in human medicine, right? So along comes COVID-19. Researchers actually looked at papers published about cats and said, well, we don't have anything else. Let's try this antiviral that they had not even thought about. And even though cats aren't exactly people, it turns out remdesivir has helped uh, millions of people on the planet get over the hump, if you will, to treat them for uh, SARS coronavirus 2, for which COVID-19 is a result of. Absolutely. That's amazing. We're all in this world together, right? Yeah, but if it wasn't for a cat organization, (laughs) one researcher, Dr. Niels Peterson, and kittens getting FIP in the first place, then we wouldn't have this drug for human medicine. Yeah. It's called One Health, and these One Health stories typically aren't around for cats as well. It's true. Yeah. That's true. That's a great story. (laughs) It is. More stories when we come back. And also, I want to talk to you about uh, an education series that's coming up that the Every Cat Health Foundation is hosting. General public, so cat parents may be able to attend that as well as a newsletter. If you're, if you're interested in cats, you'll want to hear about that. And that is next on WGN. Jackie Achicola is so excited to be the executive director of the Every Cat Health Foundation. You know, I don't bring this up often anymore. But for people who don't know, so there are so many people, cat lovers, that know the Win Feline Foundation. And for 53 years or so, that was the name of this organization. But it's the same, I'll let you talk about it, but same organization now called the Every Cat Health Foundation. Because we are here at Every Cat Health Foundation for Every Cat Everywhere, every day, continuing the same legacy that we established as the Wind Feline Foundation to fund and facilitate cat health research. Do you think anyone listening to us who has a cat, who knows a cat, who has ever seen a cat, that that cat that or cats, because most people don't have a cat, right? You they, can't have just one. Nah, yeah, no. Exactly. You have to, I think the average is 2.3. I'm not <laughs> sure about the 0.3, but nevertheless, that's about the average in America. Do you think any of those households with those cats, 2.3 cats, any of them, any of those cats have not been in some way impacted by the research this nonprofit organization has funded? All cats and anyone who loves a cat, and in fact, even if you're just learning about cats, has benefited from the work that we do. Uh, The funding, we've talked about a little bit about it, but what you haven't talked about is funding has even included community cats or feral cats. Absolutely. It is all cats. We work with cats um, and folks who are working with cats who Mm -hmm. live temporarily in shelters. Shelter cats. Cats who live in the community, cats who live in your homes. So it really is about all cats. But the mission is also about education. And by the way, 
I suppose I should say this. I, I was able to tell those stories very well. I happen to be on the board of directors for 15 years, I think, for a while. Long time. A long time for this organization. So I, I, I'm a part of the story. But I will tell you, of all the boards I've been on, and I've been on several, I am on several, uh, I am more proud of this than anything else because you, we see the difference and while we gave some pretty dramatic examples that have changed the world for cats and for people, talking about remdesivir now being available because of this organization in part, uh, there are other stories that aren't quite as dramatic uh, but are so important, how we understand diabetes in cats, how we better, we're not there yet, understand kidney disease in cats and are now looking at an ingredient in cat food, phosphorus, and brought two pet food giants together, Purina and Mars, that trusted this organization to do this. And the list goes on and on and on. If you love cats, there's a way to follow all of this, isn't there? Absolutely. And we, we rely on everyone's participation to, to help the work that we do, and we're all in this together. And you can learn about that work at everycat.org. You can sign up there for our e-newsletter. You can be notified of all of our special events, and, and we have many coming up. Special events like parties? Well, not exactly, but you, you could make it a party. <laughs> What have you got coming up? They're education events, I believe. They are education events, and they're um, the audience. You could be a pet parent, or whether you're a veterinary professional, whether you're just learning about cats, or even curious. We have uh, webinars coming up throughout the rest of this year, for, and run the gamut on topics as well. So perhaps in the spring we might talk some about kittens, and if you're a new kitten parent or thinking about adopting a kitten, what goes into that and progressing through through life stages as well Mm -hmm. as well as potentially reading a free i like that word newsletter yes we send out at least a monthly e-newsletter about where we're going to be uh, what education events we'll have out in the public and maybe a party but um (laughs) (laughs) just want a party (laughs) how we're celebrating cats and our relationship with them and that's all in the e-newsletter as well so i'm curious what brought you to this organization i love all animals but cats um you're a horse lover Oh, I am a horse lover. Yeah. I am an avid equestrian. Yeah, I've walked down hallways with you, and you see a painting of a horse, and suddenly she stops, and she's looking at it for 20 minutes. You are absolutely a horse lover. I do. What is it about horses? Because um, you're talking to, to some extent, an ur- a city audience here now, right? An urban audience. Many people have never even ridden a horse. That's true. What is it about being on a horse that gives you clearly joy well for me personally again love all animals so uh, being around horses um i i have that connection with them i also love nature and being outdoors and i also consider myself moderately athletic so riding a horse i can be outside i can be you know, riding, which is athletic. The horse is not doing all the work. Um, and I can be with an animal. So I really enjoy that connection and that time. And it's a time for me where I just kind of just block out the... Everything else? Yeah. 
But no Just one relax. forces us to ride horses, share our homes with cats or dogs. We decide to do it, and we do it because it must be beneficial in some way, and it's hard. I mean, horses are particularly expensive, right? <laughs> and, and cats and dogs, we have to take care of them, at least I hope so. We have to pay for their food anyway, and we buy them toys, and they're members of the family now. So people make this decision for a reason. It must do something for us, I imagine. That's the human animal connection and the human animal bond. And just you know, sit, sitting with my cats, just petting a cat, it's proven that lowers the blood pressure, right? Just that yeah. that action. So it's it's that connection that is really rewarding to me that I can share my personal life with my my animals and also help better their lives through my professional work. Well, yes, I mean, absolutely, making a difference for all cats. That's what we do. That is what we do. The Every Cat Health Foundation. Again, the website is everycat.org. Jackie Atchicola, Executive Director. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve Dale. So you may have noticed that it's finally getting warmer outside. You know, last week we talked about an allergy that is really common in people, but it has nothing to do with seasonality. And that is those of us that are allergic to cats, right? And what you can do about that, it's really quite miraculous, really. It's a cat food called Live Clear from Purina. Dr. Mike Lappin explained what that's all about, the technology and how it does work. Well, we're going to talk about other types of allergies. And just like we have inhalant allergies to ragweed and pollen and mold and dust and all those things, so might our pets. And Dr. Adam Christman will be here to discuss what that is and what... You can do about it how these allergies may be the same in many ways as allergies we suffer, but how in many other ways different than what we suffer and what to do about it. There is new technology that he'll talk about as well. That's next week right here. Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. Dr. Jan Bellows is so incredibly amazing for so many reasons. He's a boarded veterinary dentist who, by the way, has authored or contributed to just about any and every book that veterinarians read regarding veterinary dentistry. The other thing about Dr. Bellows, how many marathons have you done? 87. It's amazing. And (laughs) if you don't mind me asking Dr. Bellows, and I, I know you well, I don't think you will mind, how old are you? 72. How do you do that? You continue, by the way... You haven't slowed down a bit. Maybe the times in the marathons have. I don't know. But For sure. The, Absolutely. Well, the number of marathons you do, yeah. they, they haven't. Do you have advice for runners? This is not what we plan to talk about. But as runners get into their 60s or 70s, do you have advice? Keep doing it. Keep doing it and change your sneakers at least once every 250 miles because – if you have abnormal wear, you put abnormal wear on your knees and all. And um, have good genes. Uh, be born well. <laughs> uh, my, my, my parents, unfortunately, were, um, they, they weren't athletic, but I guess I got good genes from them because so far nothing hurts. What, what is your secret? Yeah. Uh, there's no secret. I just get up every morning and go running. <laughs> Gee whiz. I run for the bus and I'm out of breath. I mean, it's you're pretty incredible in so many ways. Yeah. Also, when it comes to educating 
not only veterinarians and veterinary professionals, but pet parents, about dental care for pets. We, you and I, have been talking about this on the radio and personally for a very, very long time. You know, back in the day, they developed February as Pet Dental Health Month, and dental health at that point really did get attention. Do you think that today pet parents are paying more attention to their, or want to pay more attention to their pet's dental care? Oh, absolutely, and for good reasons. A lot of the uh, veterinary practices have uh, adopted wellness plans that include professional dental cleaning under anesthesia at least once a year, which is fabulous. So the, the pet gets it in their plan, and clients are all of a sudden alerted that, wow, pets really have teeth too. I, I, I need to do something about this. And the key to go home with after this talk is that pet dental care is very similar like human preventative care. You want to prevent plaque and tartar from building up. You want to prevent painful periodontal disease. You want to prevent oral malodor, halitosis, and it can be done easily. Well, I want to hear about the oral microbiome testing for cats that is now available. I'm happy because cats came before dogs. I think that's interesting. But what's fascinating is I just said a bunch of big words. You will explain what they mean. Well, the oral microbiome is everything that is in the mouth that can be genomically tested. Uh, so we don't test it. We don't just take a swab out of the mouth and put it on an agar plate and have some bacteria grow. That's what we used to do. But now there are genetic testing. So we know over almost 800 bacteria and over 300 fungi that are in cats' mouths Yuck. that have different diseases, and the Base Paws company has filtered this down to identify the ones that are more predictive of tooth resorption, which is a major problem in cats. Half of all cats have it, and it's a very painful disease because it's, you know, holes that form on the outside of the tooth that go right into the uh, dentin, which is uh, painful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's tooth resorption, periodontal disease, and what they call gingivostomatitis. They the test can actually predict that. So the client can order the test at home, or they can get the test from their veterinarian. And the you know inside of a week or two, the client will get a note from the company with what are the chances that their cat has one of these diseases. Uh, from a, a rating stage, all based on the bacteria and the viruses and the fungi that they got from the swab. And then they take that test result to the veterinarian for care. You know, uh, I want to make a point of this because you think about putting whatever you might be putting in your cat's mouth, and the cat is now headed for the hills. I want to explain how easy it is to do this. Not a blood test. It's a simple saliva test, correct? Exactly. Exactly. You just have to swab it on the inside surface of the mouth. Very, very easy. It takes two seconds, if, if that. So this is incredible technology. It truly is, Dr. Bellows. By this technology, what are we learning in advance, which is key, because cats don't tell us, and people rarely visit their veterinarian every week. So what does this test tell us? So the test tells us, that there is a certain thumbprint of the bacteria 
and the fungi that are more common in cases of tooth resorption. The test will give the client a sheet that they could take to the veterinarian that what are the chances based on the swab of their individual cat that their cat has a very painful problem that the cat that the veterinarian can't see with the clinical eyes that needs to be taken care of immediately. So you, the guru of veterinary dentist, are you even amazed by this technology? Oh, I am so happy it's here. There's going to be thousands, if not millions of cats around the world helped by this type of technology on, on so many levels and will help cats be out of pain a lot quicker. Well, that's the thing, too. Cats being cats don't typically tell us that they're hurting. No. They may eat on the other side of the mouth. They may not eat as much. But then we just say about the other side of the mouth, we don't even notice. And if they eat less, we may say, oh, well, it's a cat. It's being finicky. When, in fact, this cat may have been hurting for some time. And by the time we notice that the cat is hurting, it's, it, I suspect, Dr. Bellows, it's been going on for a very long time. Right. And some cats will actually rub like the right side of their, their jaw, the lower jaw. The most common teeth that are affected by this is the tooth right behind the lower canines on both sides. Uh, and they'll be rubbing it and clients never knew why. They thought they, you know, they went to the veterinarian to be treated for a skin disease because they thought they had allergies. <laughs> the cat's trying to say, it's this tooth, dummy. <laughs> you know, yeah. come, uh, come and treat it real quickly. Yeah, but the cats are trying to say that, but we don't we don't necessarily speak cat, so we don't quite understand what they're saying. And cats are incredibly subtle in general. They're magicians. They yeah. hide they magically hide pain. You are magic man yourself, Dr. Jan Bellows. Always so good to talk to you. Oh, my pleasure. And by the way, thank you. And by the way, I didn't say this. I should say for more information about the test we are talking about and have been talking about, the microbiome test, it's basepaws.com. Dr. Bellows, again, thank you. My pleasure. Dr. Renee Schmidt is the manager of veterinary professional services and senior veterinary toxicologist at the Pet Poison Helpline. Dr. Schmidt, we often talk about, and we should, remind people about what dogs and cats need to stay away from, or we need to keep those products away from dogs and cats, including sometimes our own pharmaceuticals. But what about pet birds? So let's say you're having a Cinco de Mayo party, fiesta, in your house, and you're having some tequila, maybe some margaritas as well, and you're making guacamole. Well, I suspect tequila's not the best thing for birds, but I don't know many birds that get into tequila so much. Guacamole, though, is another matter. Yeah, you got it. So avocados and birds, are, they are very sensitive, and avocados can cause heart issues. They can also cause fluid building up in the lungs, and they can cause sudden death in birds. So any part of that avocado that can be ingested by a bird can be potentially fatal. And unfortunately, they can have issues very quickly. And sometimes even before the the owner is able to get them into a clinic to be treated, it can be fatal. So if you have a pet bird, just don't make guacamole. Eat the guacamole at your favorite Mexican place, perhaps. 
However, when you prepare your own food, be careful how you cook and definitely keep birds out of the kitchen. Is that is that right? Absolutely. So especially if you have a nonstick pan. So Teflon, which is that nonstick coating, it if it's overheated, it will break down and it will it will turn into a polytetrafluoroethylene, if you say that ten times fast into this gas that is extremely, again, toxic to birds. Birds have a very sensitive respiratory tract, and the their inhalation of those fumes can be enough to cause um, significant respiratory distress or breathing issues for them. It can potentially also cause um, fluid to build up in the lungs. We can see seizures and deaths for them as well. And it also, it's something that can occur quickly before they're able to get veterinary care. You know, it's a thing now to use essential oils. It's a big thing on TikTok. You have all these people talking about it. They may be good for us, but talk about our birds. Yeah, so with birds, they, again, have that really sensitive respiratory tract. And so any of those essential oils that are out in the wall, in the wallflowers, the wall diffusers, any of those can really cause some difficulty in breathing for our birds. Sometimes even just having them in an enclosed room and having that essential oil uh, being spread into other areas of the house still may be enough to cause respiratory distress or breathing difficulties with them. A lot of times these as well can be fatal to them depending on the concentration that they get into. What is the Pet Poison Helpline? Yeah, so the Pet Poison Helpline, we are a 24-7 animal poison control center. We never close. We are staffed full of veterinary technicians, veterinary health professionals, as well as veterinarians and veterinary toxicologists. And we are here to help uh, pet owners and veterinary professionals to determine if their pet is gotten into something that is going to need additional therapy or not. We also guide them, the veterinary clinics, throughout the treatment process for that pet to make sure that they're getting the, the correct treatment that they need and to help get them home back with their owners. And how does one find you? Yeah, you can reach us at 1-800-213-6680. You can also look us up on the Internet at PetPoisonHelpline.com. PetPoisonHelpline.com. The manager of veterinary professional services and senior veterinary toxicologist, Dr. Renee Schmidt. Thank you so much. Thank you. With Rob Grankowski at the Western Veterinary Conference, or sometimes called Viticus in Las Vegas. What, sir? Is it me? Are we at a veterinary conference? What are you doing here? Yes, we are, baby. It's because I have a wonderful dog. That's why I am here. It would have never. I would never be here without my dog because I got him two years ago, and it raised so much awareness just how much I love my dog. I never knew how much you could love a pet until, obviously, I got my pet. You know, when I saw my friends and other family members have a pet, and I'm like, wow, you guys really love your dog. I didn't really understand it until I got a dog, and now I'm all in with my dog. I'll do anything for my dog. I'll get him whatever treatment he needs, whatever vaccine he needs, whatever food he needs. I want my dog to live the longest and healthiest life, and that's why I'm here because then eight months later after I got my dog, I ran into Dylan. I was uh, introduced to Dylan, the CEO of Anavive, Uh who has this booth right here. And that's why we are here, because I have teamed up with Anavive. And let me tell you, they are coming out with some wonderful 
uh, vaccines for dogs, wonderful treatments, wonderful medicines uh, for pets as well. And uh, that's why I am here, because Dylan, right there, who is behind me, who is the man, love the guy. The man. Has created a preventative vaccine. For valley fever. For valley fever. And there's other many other um, treatments that are in line for Anavive as well. but Including right one now, for feline infection, yes, peritonitis, the, and other things, and cancer products as well. So tell me about your dog. Yeah, so I love Ralphie. He's a French bulldog. He's about two years old now. Uh, the guy's a maniac. He loves his zoomies, loves to eat, loves to play, loves to snuggle. Just love him so much. Just love his personality. So a new study just yes. came out saying that people are like their dogs. How is your dog like you, or yes. how are you like your dog? Uh, we are the exact same. The guy, how so? the guy, the guy picks up ladies like it's no no problem. <laughs> the guy's a chick magnet, you know, ultimate chick magnet. Walk down the street, every girl's trying to pet him. I mean, well, that's not the case for me, but uh, I'm just saying, like, well, speaking I was of just which, trying to hype myself up. But no, uh, speaking of yes. which, I, I just saw a video of Jane Fonda saying that you indeed do have the best tight end she has All ever right, seen. All right, so see, Ralphie and I are very similar. Yes. There we go. And uh, what was that like working yes. on the movie with those four ladies? Yes, it was a lot of fun. The four ladies, uh, Jane Fonda, Sally Fields, they were very professional, very accurate, just on point. Like Sally Field they, is they a were football lit. fan. Yes, I believe. they were lit. It was awesome. They were so much fun. They were so on point. Like they were. What do you mean they, by on point? What like do you mean by on point that? with their skills? Yeah. Like I don't know. They were eighty years old or eighty-five years old. I, I think someone said one of them was ninety. Uh, and, over like, Rita Moreno's over ninety. Point. Let me tell you, reading their lines with no problem, act, acting like it's no problem. It was just, well, you it was sound just like so an, iconic to see them. You sound like an, it is, I'm sure. You sound like an acting coach almost. What, what was it oh. for you being in a movie? Uh, it was fun. You know, is, I mean, so I, this is the start of yes. the other movies down the road? Uh, maybe, possibly. It was it was a tiny role. It wasn't anything crazy. It was five seconds long. The girls, the ladies busted into the locker room. You know, uh, Jane Fonda came and found me at my locker. Uh, the other three ladies found Tom, Danny Amendola, and Julian and just started flirting with us in the locker room. So that was my scene right there. Just a little five seconds worth. My five seconds of fame. I finally made it, baby. And, oh, and, you and did. In a movie, in the locker room. That's what it's all about. But uh, it was just very cool to be a part of it and be a part of history did you watch the super bowl yes i did i then watch it all i watched parts of it what you didn't watch i was the- doing my kick my uh my kick of destiny i did in the third quarter i did a live super bowl commercial oh that's why okay. yes that okay. is why so what did you think of the game uh, i thought it was a good game man that's what it's all about for the fans to see uh to see it go all the way down the crunch time uh to see a winning field goal to see you know how many 70 70 plus points scored up on the scoreboard. So a lot of action. Um, it was great for, for the fans of the NFL. So we're going to be seeing you clearly in more movies down the road and maybe as a dog trainer? Yes, as a dog trainer. That should be my role. I should I find a so. role where I'm a dog trainer in a movie. I, that, that would be what's up. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. A pleasure to talk to you, sir. Thank yes. you very much. Yes, and thank man. you for promoting veterinary medicine. Oh, yes. If you want to learn more, just go to anavive.com and let's go, baby. Let's do this thing. Let's get it right. All right, baby. Yeah. Want a better behaved cat? Well, it turns out the solution might be play with your cat. A team of researchers from the University of Adelaide in Australia found that playing with your cat nurtures the human-animal bond and can address behavior problems, even prevent behavior problems. And here's the amazing part. I mean, they research. I mean, you are lucky in lots of research for cats to include 55 cats. 
they included cats from 55 countries as they looked at the difference play can make. And what they found is it can make a ginormous difference in so many different ways. So we're talking about the relationship that family members have with the cat. We're talking about behavior problems. And it turns out they even have a list right here. I've got them of behavior problems that are less likely to be seen if people play with their cat appropriately and do so somewhat frequently, meaning consistently, and sometimes you decide, okay, it's time to play, or let the cat decide, staring at where the toys are, that it's time to play, and then play. All right, the number one behavior problem sort of rectified or improved uh, with play, scratching furniture. Number two, aggression during other types of play behavior. Number three, excessive vocalization. You know what that's about. Over and over. Aggression toward unknown cats. Remember, we're talking about countries, some of these countries, where cats go outdoors, I suppose. That is where the unknown cats come from. And finally, number five, overly active at night. Cats who are three in the morning are pouncing on you. Not as likely to happen if they're tired, right? If you play with them, particularly before bedtime. More on my website, that's Steve Dale. TV. We'll talk to you next week, bright and early on WGN.